right, it's nice to see all of you guys. It feels like a full house, but um, it's like I'm Moses and I just parted the Red Sea right here. Um, I pray one day that there will be humans that will sit right in this area. But, yeah, Lord, give courage and boldness to... Uh, all right. Um, as I was praying uh, for us and thinking about what, what to share, um, I felt the Lord speaking to me about John 15. And originally I had a word or, or a title for the message, pruning. But it's not a nice title for a message. And, and, and uh, so when I thought about it, I was like, okay, I want to talk about pruning, but let's talk about abiding and pruning. Um, because uh, as you guys know, in the States right now, there was a big election. I've been refreshing my internet browser all day to see the results, like literally, like every minute I'm just seeing if, you know, the results will come out. Um, and re regardless of who wins, I think that there is a measure uh, of pruning that the Lord is bringing the church into. And so um, with that, turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11, and I'll just read that for us. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. <laughs> Amen. Uh, just, just to give a little backdrop to John 15. Uh, this was uh, about the night before when Jesus was getting ready to be crucified. And, um, and I know we all know this, but sometimes it's a good reminder, but this was a real conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. Like, I know we know that, but um, it's good to kind of, you know, get your imagination going and really think through, like, hey, this really happened. Jesus gathered his disciples and he was speaking from his heart he was speaking from what the father was showing him and he's talking to the disciples about abiding and and, and pruning and so there's two main points that i'm going to share uh you know about abiding and pruning but what does it mean to abide in him i remember reading this when i was young and it was just i don't get it like what do you do like 
how do you abide? What does that even mean? And, you know, it just simply means just live in him and, and have him live in, you know, in you. And it just kind of seems so like ambiguous and so like out there. Like, what does that practically mean to, to you know, to abide in him and for, and for him to abide in you? And uh, Jesus, he clarifies it. He shares two points about abiding. And the two things that he says is he talks about his word and he talks about his love. So we just read it. He says, abide in my words and have my words abide in you. And then after that, he says, I'm abiding my love. So the two areas that he is em emphasizing when it comes to abiding in him, it's his word and it's his love. So turn with me to Psalm 119. It is so quiet. <laughs> I miss the days of the sound of pages being turned. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, Psalm 119, Aaron, can, can you read uh, Psalm 119, verse 18 for us, please? Open my eyes so that I may contemplate wondrous things from your instructions. So, so what does it mean to have the Word of God abiding in you? Um, another way that I like to look at it is um, not just for myself to live in the Word, but uh, for the Word to live inside of me. Because I think a lot of times how we approach the Word of God is um, that, it, that, you know, that a lot of it is dependent on me, like my actions. Like, you know, am I going to open up the Bible today? Um, what, what am I going to read? What am I going to get out of it? Or, you know, if, if you're like me, uh, many times I read the Bible and I have no idea what I just read. Then I read, I read the same passage again, I still don't know what I read. And, um, or, if you're really like me, and I'm being really honest with you guys, where I have read, like, chapters, you know, of the Bible, and I get to a point where I'm like, how the heck did I just read 10 chapters right now? I don't remember a single thing that I just read, but 10 chapters goes by. And, you know, with that mindset, it's, um, you know, a lot of it is dependent on me. Uh, what am I getting out of it? But we have to remember that as we approach the Word of God, we got to allow the Word of God to read us, to speak to us, to have its way in us. And a lot of times we don't let the word um, have its way in us because we feel like we have to be the ones in control. But uh, the times where I feel like I receive the most from the word of God, it's when I let go of all of those, um, you know, harsh expectations. Like, why am I not getting this? Uh, but when I completely give myself over to the Holy Spirit and I'm asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, you got to give me understanding uh, because I don't get it. And it's when I allow the Word of God to um, speak to me, when, uh, when I allow it to have its place in me. And uh, to give you guys an example, uh, years ago I was flying uh, to Korea to, to pre uh, speak at a church. And I had no idea what I was going to speak on. And I was preparing like weeks 
you know, months, it was like a conference, right? Like, you know, you, you think it's a big deal, you know, especially when they put a flyer and like your face is on the flyer. It's like, oh shoot, I better be prepared, right? And I'm praying and I, you know, and I'm preparing and um, there is nothing that I am receiving. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, then I just gotta dig out an old message or I don't know, but um, I just don't feel like a message is resonating. And I'm on this flight, and literally, as the plane is landing in Seoul, for a split second, I feel the Holy Spirit touching my heart. And it wasn't even like this big dramatic thing, but the moment I felt the Spirit like softening my heart, I just knew I had a message. And uh, that's what I was praying for. Like, Lord, I pray that your word will come and live inside of me. Yes, we need the discipline of studying the Word and reading the Word and always turning to the Word, but also at the same time remembering to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us instead of us trying to, fig- uh, you know, us trying to have this expectation on us that I'm supposed to understand this. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, why am I not getting it? Um, but completely giving ourselves over to the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to speak to us. And so part of abiding is allowing his words to live inside of us. And, uh, but if, if I can take it a step further, uh, Jeffrey, uh, when you spoke months ago, it felt like it was years ago at Drupadi House, that one day that you spoke on Song of Songs, man, I really felt a fire burning just all over me. <laughs> Um, and there was something that you kept emphasizing over and over again, and that was take it back to God and take it back to Him in conversation. Speak it back to Him. And part of uh, us abiding in His words is taking God's words and us just speaking it back to Him. It's us literally having a conversation with Him and he's given us content, and that is the Word of God. So we got to take the words of God and just, just simply just take it back to him. And I think um, that's a part of Bible study that is not like popular in terms of like Bible study methods. But I have found that to be the most breathtaking, awe-inspiring way of studying the Bible, and that is literally taking God's word and just speaking it back to him. It's just having conversation with him through the word of God. And because um, when I first started studying John 15 years ago, I thought it's just, there's nothing for me to do. Like, you know, abide is just live. So do I just live my life? And like it should be automatic, like there's nothing intentional on my part that if I'm just like, you know, um, passive, that am I still obeying that part about abiding in Him? And obviously that is not the case. We are not abiding when we are passive. There is a part that we have to play and that is we gotta let the Word of God live inside of us. And the scripture that Aaron read, uh, Psalm 119, verse 18, it says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. God's word is exciting. It's fascinating. And the thing is, uh, all those years where I've kept saying, 
but the Bible is boring. Like, I fall asleep when I read the Bible. Like, I, I used to like try to read the Bible so that I can fall asleep. And the truth is, is I never tapped into um, what God had intended for us as we approach his word. And that is that we uh, behold wondrous things from his law. When God says there are wonderful things in his law, I mean, he's the God that created Nusipanita, right? <laughs> I don't know what to... He's the God that created that. And we think that is wonderful. That is like the most Instagram photo here, right? And we think that is fascinating. People travel thousands of miles and, and save thousands of dollars so that they could come fly over here so they could take a photo, you know, at that, the thing that looks like a dinosaur or whatever, right? <laughs> like, uh... And that to us is wonderful. That to us is awesome. And the God who created that is telling us that his word is awesome. And so what I love is, you know, one thing that God was revealing to me uh, as, as, as Joyce and I have been praying about our, you know, our spiritual family and what this family is to him. Uh, when, when, when God spoke to me and said, KG is a priestly people, uh, that we are a priestly community, it's that very picture of us taking the words of God and us just speaking it back to Him. Like there are days, you know, in this room, in, in the mornings when we are praying, and... Um, this may sound creepy because I am creepy, not in a creepy way, but in a fake creepy way, but I, I look at all of you guys when you pray. <laughs> I, I do, I, I look at you guys and I look at what you're doing and what, what gets my heart so tenderizes, you know, of course, me experiencing God, but also at the same time, when I just see you reading the Bible, I know it seems so like, you know, most mundane thing or whatever, but when I watch you guys read the Bible, I, I don't know what it is about that, but that moves my heart. And if that moves my heart, I'm wondering how much more it moves the heart of God. When he sees us reading his word, and us taking his word and whispering it back to him. So for us in this season, uh, well, actually abiding in him is not a seasonal thing. All right, guys, that is like a forever and always thing. All right, it's not like, oh, like, you know, this season of you know, my life is just, you know, abiding in him. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it should be every day. All right, guys, so it's not a seasonal thing. Okay, you know, we always must be abiding in his word and in his love. And so um, with that, so we not only abide in his words, but we also abide in his love. And the question is, do you know the love of God? Like, uh, not just in theory, but do you really know the love of God? Do you know his love for you? And I'm telling you guys, that is the most important thing that you could give uh, your life to. And, and that is knowing God's love for you. 
And I know that sounds very elementary and very like, you know, like five years ago, but uh, what keeps us going is, is his love. And so uh, Jesus was explaining how we abide in him is when we abide in his, his uh, word. But the other thing that he was saying is you got to abide in my love. And that's why we say you don't graduate from the father's heart. You don't graduate from giving yourself as a son or a daughter in, uh, in encountering God's love. You don't just have one experience and then you like move on from it or you graduate from it. Because what Jesus said in John 15 was, in order for you to bear fruit, you must abide in my word and you must abide in my love. And here's the thing. If we don't abide in his word and don't abide in his love, we will not bear fruit. It's, it's those two things. It's the word and growing in fascination in, in the word of God, but also at the same time growing in fascination in his love. He's a God that loves, but, but not only that, he's a God that loves you. And his love just didn't stop the moment you became a Christian and then like you graduate from that and then like you move on. And I think that is a temptation that we all fall into is that, you know what, like I know God's love and I experienced it when I became a Christian, but now I, you know, I moved beyond that. But no, we're supposed to be living and abiding in his love every day after that first encounter. Like, do you really know his love? Like, do you know the love of God, you know, where he expressed that love to the woman that was caught in the act of adultery? Do you feel that love? Like when Jesus, you know, uh, doesn't, you know, he didn't condemn the woman, but he loves the woman. He saves the woman, right? That is his love towards her. But do you feel the affections of Jesus when you see his encounters with different people in the Bible? Do you feel his love when he's having conversations with his disciples? Like when I'm reading John 15, what I felt the Holy Spirit um, speaking to me is, I want you to feel the love of Jesus as he's having this conversation with his disciples. This was a real conversation. And, 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 and what he was telling his disciples was out of love. This was out of intimacy. And so for us to understand what it means to abide in him, it's to live in his word and to live in his love. And we have to be a people that give ourselves to this. Turn with me to Acts chapter 18 and try to make as much noise. All right. Thanks again. <laughs> forgot to share this first, but Acts chapter 18, verse 24. And uh, Jeffrey, can you read that verse for us, please? Acts chapter 18, verse 24. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. Amen. 
It says, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. There's not much written about Apollos. Okay? But there's a description about Apollos that is making me really curious to, like, I want to know what that means. What does it mean to be mighty in the scriptures? And I look at that, like, I know, you know, what an eloquent man is, okay? But it's not just he was an eloquent man, but the Bible describes him as a man that was mighty in the scriptures. And I think that is a model for us to go after. And that is, Lord, I want to be mighty in the scriptures. I don't know what that means, but Lord, whatever Apollos was, I want to be like that God. I want to be a man or a woman that is mighty in the scriptures. Lord, I want to be a person that takes your word, that believes it, that speaks it back to you, that I, it, that, that I encounter and I experience the emotions behind your words. Lord, I want to be a person mighty in the scriptures. But it's not just about, you know, memorizing the Bible, okay? Like if, you know, like I love uh, people that memorize scripture, Okay, are you guys good at that? Like, I know, like, people, I know somebody that memorized all of the book of Revelation. Um, there's, like, some YWAM schools where the entire school is just you memorizing books of the Bible, which I think is so cool. And they teach you, like, tips and tricks on how to memorize scripture. And so I remember um, hearing a person literally just from Revelation chapter 1, word for word, going through all the chapters of Revelation and like reciting it from memory. And I think that is awesome. I don't know if, if I can do that. Um, but I mean, I, that's not the point. But um, uh, I... Um, do you guys remember uh, whatever grocery store uh, you used to go to when you were growing up? Where, where, you know, wherever you're from. Like, what I love. Sorry, this is totally like random. I'm going off a rabbit trail, but um, grocery stores. Like, when I travel throughout the United States, like I always like judge a city or a neighborhood by its supermarket. Because it's not what I'm used to. And so growing up in Miami, our, you know, we had two supermarkets that we went to. It was Publix and Winn-Dixie. I don't know if any of you guys know what Publix and Winn-Dixie are. I know here it's like Frestive and Benito. <laughs> but um, you know when you go pay for your groceries, you have all these like tabloids and magazines and newspapers and you know Archie books. Like, do you guys know what I'm talking about? And you have all these random little like um, you know Reader's Digest. And I remember there was one little book that I saw uh, at uh, uh, the, you know this grocery store, and basically it was about a guy who was um, stuck. On, uh, on an island by himself, like he was shipwrecked or something, and this was a true story, 
And but one of the things that he had on him was a Bible. And so for however many days or weeks he was stuck on this island, he was reading the Bible and he started writing all these things that he, um, you know, just, uh, just things, things that he noticed about, you know, studying the Bible or reading the Bible. And what was sad was in this small booklet, there was nothing about the character and nature of God. <laughs> nothing about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And, and you know who God is it had to do with like do you know what the longest name in the Bible is or the shortest verse in the Bible is or and it had all these random facts but this book was about all the unusual things that this guy noticed you know as he read the Bible stuck on an island and um, and it's not just a matter of us uh, you know, reading the Bible in that way. Of course, it's great to, you know, read the Bible and study the Bible. But if you are not falling in love with the person of Jesus, you are not reading scriptures in, in, in the way you're supposed to read it. And there's a direct correlation between, you know, his word and his love. Because Jesus said that, you know, if you truly love me, then you will obey my commandments. And so Jesus knows, I mean, this is, you know, God himself is telling us how we can be fruitful, how we can be successful as Christians, and that is to give ourselves to the word of God and to his love. So I didn't mean to cut, you know, short the love part, but you know what, I, 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 I'm pleading with you guys, give yourself to the love of God in everything. In every way, as you're reading scripture, ask God, Lord, help me to, to experience your love through this book or through this chapter that I'm reading or whatever experience, you know, in life or stage in life that you're going through. Ask God, Lord, help me to experience your love. Like you got to know his love for you because it's his love that will sustain you. That's all we have is, is his love. Um. And so, you know, one, one thing that I always pray as I read the scripture is uh, that I would experience the love of God in every encounter that Jesus has with people. Like as, you know, when the Bible says like, you know, Jesus healed this person or he had compassion, you know, on the multitudes. I take that and I, and, and I personalize it, Lord, let me feel your compassion for me. Lord, help me to feel that love that you had for the multitude. Lord, I, I want to experience it. And, and I may not experience it at that moment that I'm reading or I'm praying, but as I'm going about my day or just, you know, God always finds his way to have me and encounter his love. And, and it's normally in like the most random times in the random places. A lot happens when I'm uh, driving the car or riding the scooter. I'm not even thinking about God, to be honest. Like, sorry, Lord, I'm not thinking about you, but he grabs my attention. And I know it had to do with something that I prayed weeks ago or maybe months ago. So even though you may not um, feel an immediate answer from God, that prayer never goes to waste. What father 
will not want to show his child his love. You don't have to beg for his love. You don't have to twist his arm. You don't have to convince him. You don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to go hurt yourself to get your dad's attention. Like, God, um, he is always ready, always willing to, to, to show you his love. So with that, so Jesus in John 15, he's preparing his disciples for pruning. So he talks about his uh, word and his love. And then he goes to this part about pruning. So specifically he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Okay? So the first thing and the most important thing that I want us to understand about pruning is the revelation of the Father. Because that is actually the first thing that Jesus talks about um, when it comes to pruning is, he says uh, in John 15 verse 1, he says, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. So from the beginning, he identifies himself. He is the vine and his Father is the vine dresser. So he makes a connection that the one who prunes, right, is, is the Father. It's, it's the vine dresser. So you know immediately that when there is a season of pruning in your life, it's the Father. It's God. And, um, you know, as Joyce and I have been praying for you guys, thinking about you guys, hearing, you know, where you guys are at and everything, you know, there, you know, there, there's, you know, there's, you know, a couple of things that come, come to mind. You know, that, you know, you know, a different stage in your life or you're growing up or you're adulting or whatever it is, right? Like, we, you know, we have those words. But another thing that came to my mind as, um, as I was preparing for tonight was I know that there is an element of the Father pruning you. Did you know that? God is pruning you. The Father is pruning you. Say that with me out loud. The Father is pruning me. Come on, guys, say it. The Father is pruning me. Go say it again. Father is pruning me. Oh God, why? Right? Not only are you going through, you know, growing pains, you know, and and whatever else, I know that the Father is pruning you. Okay? So watch this. From a natural point of view, okay, we may not have a full understanding because, I don't know, unless if you guys have some secret gardening hobby that I don't know about, if you do, confess now. Uh, but we don't fully understand uh, this illustration because, you know, we may not be into, you know, uh, gardening or whatnot. But... Um, just in, you know, naturally, uh, you know, pruning is when you uh, selectively remove branches from a tree. And you remove those branches for a reason, right? Whether they're, you know, unwanted or it's um, withering or it's 
you know, like you need to cut off a certain part so that it'll grow healthier or whatever it may be. But to a vine dresser, pruning is normal. So from the father's point of view, you know, for the father to prune us on his, you know, to put ourselves in the father's shoes, this is a normal thing that the father does to his children, pruning. Not only is it normal, it's frequent. And I think we are in denial about this. But in the natural, when a vine dresser prunes a, you know, a, you, you know, the uh, branches or whatever, the vine dresser does it often. It's part of his job when he's going out, in, you know, in the garden, you know, what tools does he always carry with him? I don't know what they're called. <laughs> Clippers. 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 Shears. 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 Shears, right? Right? So, um, so, you know, that's in a normal, you know, tool, you know, that the vine dresser always carries. But for us on our end, we are in denial that pruning is frequent and often. And here's another thing that we are in denial about. We keep praying that we would bear much fruit. We pray this every week in here. Lord, we want to bear fruit. <laughs> but what does John 15 talk about? How are we going to bear more fruit? You need to be... No, 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 not snip. That's the wrong word. <laughs> uh, you need to be pruned. <laughs> You want to bear fruit, you got to be pruned. But here's the thing, are we allowing the vine dresser to prune us or are we running away from the Father? Or are we in denial about our pruning season? So a lot of times we may not even recognize what the Father is doing and so when we so we feel the effects of pruning, but we don't think it's pruning, we think it's something else, and then we try to run away from it. Or we try to fight it. And because we do that, guess what? If you don't allow the Father to prune you, you will not bear fruit. You can't bear fruit. It's impossible. Because here's the other deception, is we think fruit has everything to do with me. If I'm on top of my game, if I have, you know, all my ducks in a row, if, you know, if I have this knowledge, if I have this training, if I have, you know, if I go through this program, if I do this, if I do that, then I shall surely be fruitful. And God is saying that is not how you bear fruit. You bear fruit when you abide in my word and when you abide in my love. So as a priestly community, this is what we're giving ourselves to, guys. We are going to be a people of his word, and we're going to be a people of his love. That's why this room is called house. We're in the Father's house, where we have conversations with the Father, and we experience the Father's love. 
And we experience the Father's pruning. And everything from the Father is good. It's just. It may not feel good at the moment. And that's the thing that we are so afraid of. It's we don't like pain. We don't like suffering. We don't like the feeling of, I don't know, our flesh when it manifests. My flesh manifested this afternoon. I don't want to go into it, but, ah, oh, Lord, help me. It's not a road rage. That was a couple days ago. <laughs> Something else, but, ah, it's like, you know, it's, uh, but, but when these things start to come out, where, you know, where we don't experience the Father's pruning is that we, we label it as something else. And so because we label it with something else, you will never fully experience the pruning from the Father. And here's the thing. If you cannot identify a season in your life where the Father has pruned you, I really want you to think about it. Why? Pruning should be normal. Amen? I'm not mad at you guys. <laughs> I love you guys. I really do. I'm not angry. I'm full of love, guys. Uh, so as a spiritual family, and, you know, for us living, you know, um, in a place that is not our home, Right? I want to challenge us to take advantage of this season because when we signed up to, you know, when, when we said yes to the Great Commission, when we said yes to uh, the Lord's commands, when, when we said yes to the Lord's heart, being in another country, everything is just, it, man, it just, it exposes things a lot faster because we're just in a foreign environment. And one way to look at it, if we were to look at the glass being half full, it's when will you ever be in another season of your life like this? Just like what Alyssa was so quick to point out about road rage. <laughs> I had road rage, guys. Actually, I have road rage in America too, so it's not like a, maybe that's a mean thing, but, um, but, you know, in our context, we're, you know, we, we put ourselves in this place where uh, we are experiencing unfamiliar things. And so what it's causing is unfamiliar things to surface in our hearts. And these are the opportunities for us to go hard after God. Because we are comfortable, basically what we will do is we will be completely passive and we will walk in deception. And this is an invitation from the Lord for us to really live in a manner that He called us to in John 15. We got to abide in Him. And in that process, there is pruning. And He prunes us. See, here's the thing. 
The Bible says he prunes us because he believes we are fruitful. And so because he believes that we are fruitful, he prunes us so that we will bear more fruit. And the thing is, we don't fully know what that means. Like, oh, what does that fruit look like? Is it like, you know, like thousands of people saved? I don't know. It could be. But it, you know, could also be other things. We don't know. But regardless, I want to bear fruit. I want to bear fruit where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit can enjoy fruit off of my branch. I want God to enjoy because He's worthy of this fruit because actually I can't bear fruit on my own. I'm a branch. Like if that, you know, if uh, that, um, my kids love sticks, right? Ian, you still like sticks, right? But my kids, they collect sticks and it's annoying. Like everywhere my kids go, if, if, if they see a stick, they grab it. And it's like, you know, like we used to have a bunch of branches like in our car. It's just super annoying because it causes a big mess. And after a while, like you see it deteriorate like crazy. It's because it was cut off from its source. And a branch cannot produce life on its own. It is impossible. And so everything that comes from us and out of us, it came from God. And not only did it come from God, it is for God. The reason why I'm giving my life to what, what I'm doing or what we're doing is at the end of the day, I want to bear fruit where God can enjoy I want that to be my life. Lord, you deserve to eat of this fruit. I don't know what, you know, I believe I'm a mango. Like, <laughs> mangoes are so good. We've been eating mangoes every day. It's because of you, Nick. <laughs> but I, I want to be a sweet mango that the Lord just, man, when he peels me and just, Oh, it takes a bite out of me. I'm like, oh, juicy and like super sweet. That's the kind of fruit that I want to be. Amen? Amen. <laughs> so guys, when you go through hardship, when you, like, immediately the the immature side of us or, or you know, the fleshly side of us tells us something is wrong. I should not be going through hardship. I'm going through hardship because something is not right and it needs to be right so that I shouldn't go through hardship. If you read your Bible, you will know that we need to go through hardships. And, uh, and your hardship will not uh, don't let it go go to waste. And here's the thing. There are hardships that we go through. It is the result of our sin and our brokenness. And here, is, and, and here is the kindness of the Father, and that is He can still redeem those things. 
even our sins, even our mistakes, even our bad decisions. God is big enough to still use those things and redeem those things so that He can prune us and so that we can bear fruit for Him to enjoy. So when we go through hardships or, when, or, you know, or even in our community, when people go through hardships, Could it be that God is pruning that person? Could it be that God is pruning you? Could it be that God is pruning me? And the thing is, I, I want to be aware. Because I'm abiding in Him, I'm going to go through regular seasons of pruning. And I'm going to accept it now that it's normal. Amen? Accept it, guys. Accept it. It's normal. And you can trust the Father that when He prunes you, even though it may hurt, He disciplines the ones He loves. He's pruning you because He believes that you're going to bear much more fruit. I was think, thinking about um, a, a personal story of me and Joyce. So, uh, if so, um, if you guys haven't noticed, there's a you know an age gap between Kairos and River, and uh, the reason why there's an age gap was because we had two miscarriages, and uh, you know just the pain and the confusion, um, just nothing made sense. Uh, you know, for me as a person that doesn't, um, you know, articulate my emotions or my feelings, like it was, there's so many things bottled up that I just didn't know how to, you know, ex, you know, express what I was feeling. And it's just, it just sucks. It's, you know, painful. And, uh, but in the midst of that, uh, so we're pregnant a third time, right, with River. And in, um, so when Joyce is pregnant, you know, Joyce hears from the Lord, it's time to move to China. And I was honestly very shocked when she said that because, uh, you know, she suffers, you know, two miscarriages and then now we're pregnant with our third. And obviously with our third, we're like, every day was like nervous. Like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, sorry, fourth, fourth. <laughs> sorry. So, um, so with her fourth pregnancy, right? Um, you know, uh, the Lord speaks to her, says, move to China. And um, our family and those close to us, like, it didn't make sense. Like, why would you move? Like, you're going to have this baby in another country that you haven't lived? We had no plan of what hospital, like, we didn't even know where we're going to live, you know, um, and just nothing was planned. All Joyce tells me is, uh, God spoke to me, we had to move to China. And so we move. She's already, you know, several months pregnant, right? And, you know, we uh, are in China, 
and go to a hospital, no one speaks English, we don't speak Chinese. And just watching my wife, right? Like going through the process, like giving birth in your home country is hard enough. Uh, like that's hard, right? I can imagine. But, you know, going through that trauma and then going overseas and then now having the, you know, you know, baby and, you know, to spare you guys all the details, but, you know, um, what, you know, what Joyce had to go through in terms of like uh, Google Translate, every time, like going through a hospital, you know, checkups, there are a lot of times she had a checkup, she had no idea what the checkup was. She just, you know, went there. Um, and, uh, and then right before, not too long before, um, Joyce gave birth, we found out that husbands aren't allowed in the delivery room. And just that never crossed our minds to ask because, you know, in America, like, it's like, duh, like, right. You've seen the movies, right. That that is always there in the room, right. <laughs> like, you know, so you just never think twice about that. So it never dawned on us to ask, like, can, can the husband be in the room? We find out, what was it, like, weeks before? Weeks before Joyce gives birth to River, we find out accidentally that husbands are not allowed in the room. So imagine going through all of these things, and then, you know, then finally, you know, she's ready to give birth. And I'm in the hospital. I have no idea what's going on, right? Um, you know, and I'm stressed out. I'm not even giving birth and I'm like having anxiety. And then, you know, joy, you know, and then later on, I hear all the stories, you know, from what it's like. She was in a room with nine, ten other pregnant women that are about to give birth. And then right when River was coming out, that's when they, you know, take her. And so she's in another room with another mom. So there's, you know, so she's escorted to another. I can't imagine ten women like... You know, like, ah, like, sorry. <laughs> oh, you know, ah, right? ah, and then right when the baby's about to come out, then they're taken to another room. So it's just two pregnant women in a room. Joyce has no idea what's going on. She's communicating with the doctors through Google Translate. The reason why I'm sharing this with you guys, you are stronger than what you think. You are stronger than what you think. You can overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. You can overcome. You can experience breakthrough. Just don't quit. Don't give up. I don't know any other mom that will sign up for what Joyce did. So when we look back just as a family, when hardships come, we have these experiences under our belt where we're like, you know what? We've overcome quite a few things. 
we're going to be okay. We've been through some stuff. We're going to be okay. It's painful. It's stressful. We may not have all the answers, but we have John 15, where we have this amazing experience of abiding in His Word and abiding in His love. We are not alone. Where Jesus says, you know, I am not leaving you as orphans. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He meant what He said. He is with you. His word and His love is abiding in you. And I just felt that you needed to hear from me. You are a lot stronger than what you think. If God is for you, who can be against you? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the God that you serve. This is the God that you worship. And so I want to challenge our family. And that is, you know, study John 15. Reread these verses. Give yourself to his word. Give yourself to his love. And expect the Father to prune you. Uh, let's all stand. And Aaron, if you could jump back on the keyboard. I just want to pray for you guys and just have us pray uh, for each other. If you feel like you are in a season of pruning, can you raise your hand? <laughs> come, come, come forward, guys. Guys, embrace this season. Because you're about to bear a lot of fruit. So for the rest of you guys that aren't being pruned, <laughs> I need you guys to be uh, the ministry team, all right? For those that are not in the season of pruning, <laughs> Trevor, uh, you know, feel free to you know pray for everyone. But as we pray, and, and as you receive prayer, I want you guys to accept this season of your life. The Father is pruning you. He loves you. He's cutting out parts of your life. He's exposing things in your heart. He loves you. He's a Father that loves you. You are His son, you are His daughter. So Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your kindness.
Thank you that you discipline the ones you love. Thank you for your love. Thank you for this season of pruning. Lord, we embrace it. We say yes to it. Lord, forgive us for being in denial of this season. Lord, we, we are not in denial anymore. Father, we pray, have your way with us, God. Have your way with us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you minister to our hearts, Lord. Help us, Lord, to walk through this season with humility. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, touch our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. You are stronger than what you think. Father, we ask that you will help us, Lord, to believe your word. Because you have overcome, Lord, we have overcome. Father, give us grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you. 